Hey everyone, this week's episode, I have Phil Butorn. Uh, Phil is a writer and creator, and he is also the admin for Comics Anthology's Facebook group, as well as I Love Horror Facebook group. So after you're done with uh, listening to this podcast, please go to Facebook and check out the Comics Creator Anthology Facebook group, as well as the I Love Horror Facebook group. If you're looking for a free comic book delivered right to your email, Please go to aguildy.com forward slash free comic to get issue one of my hit indie series, Man of Sin, delivered directly uh, to your email for free. Enjoy. All right, Phil, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today, man. It's uh, it's really awesome to, you know, kind of sit back and chat comics with you. Um, so thanks again for, for joining me tonight. No, Andrew, thank you. Actually, I'm really excited. Like I, like I mentioned right before uh, you turned this on, um, this I've been listening to the beginning. Um, I've always been obsessed with uh, process podcasts. So, you know, we had, there's plenty of stuff about the movies, about TV shows, but there's not enough about comic books. Um, so one, just to what your question that getting and getting to the nuts and bolts of the creators, you know, writers and artists and how they, they create. It's, it's great. So this is kind of like a bucket list thing for me. Oh, dude, uh, you're making, you're making me <laughs> blush, man. <laughs> Honestly, man, I, 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 I told you this, uh, you know, before we recorded too, I, I feel so bad. I, I would have reached out to you sooner, man, but I'm just, I'm really happy and glad uh, that we're able to find some time and, and chat, man. Cause uh, honestly, not all your shorts, cause I, I, I've supported a lot of the Kickstarters that you've been on and I've read your shorts and you shared some with me. Uh, not only is the writing incredible and I, I really want to pick your brain about shorts. Cause that's something, you know, I'm not like the greatest writer in the world, but I'm really bad at shorts. And so I want to pick your brain about shorts and kind of your process through that. Cause I, I feel like you kind of got like a really solid grasp on it that I think is really interesting. And I think it's an important skill that, uh, comic book writers have and also i want to talk about like your insane like production level like how you got there this past like year and a half man because the the output that you had i think is really inspiring uh so like you you were talking just before we got on and i kind of want to backtrack a little bit uh kind of about your comic book kind of uh uh journey if you will um and i I was like i want i didn't want to stop you i was like we got to say this for the podcast because i really think your journey kind of where you started to where you are now kind of is the whole point of why I started this podcast. And I, I really love if if you don't mind sharing that with everyone. No, um, I'd love to. So yeah, it goes all the way back to uh, 2011. So I graduated um, from SUNY Plattsburgh. I got my, I, um, I went to uh, SUNY, uh, CUNY Brooklyn for my master's in history. While I'm doing that, I'm serving at Ruby Tuesdays with some of my best friends from high school. And I was like, I, I need to stay sane because one, no one's hiring. It's like the end of the recession, but still jobs aren't that great. Um, I got a degree in history. What, what am I going to do with that? Uh, as, as much as I love history and my professor is always saying, well, there's not a lot you can do. You can either uh, work in a museum or become a professor. And I actually wanted to become a um, professor for community college, but that couldn't happen uh, because everyone was all the PhDs that were losing their positions at the universities were, were were falling down to community college. So it's around the time that New Fifty Two is happening, and I have my buddy Ryan Harris, one of my best friends from high school, still one of my best friends now. Um, I was like, dude, you know, 
we like the same things. You like genre movies. I love comic books. Why don't we start writing? So uh, every, I would say it was like every, once a week, we'd go to uh, Stop and Chop, grab like an 18-pack of beer, and we'd start writing from 9 a.m. I'm uh, sorry, 9 p.m. all the way to like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Wow. Like I have to kick either like I'm walking home. He's kicking me out his house at 4 a.m. I'm kicking him out of my house before my dad wakes up to go to work. So, wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we started uh, now for anyone listening, anyone who's starting off, do not do what I do. Do not do what Brian and I did. And what we did, okay, was we're like, okay, we're going to create the next uh, Why the Last Man. Or we're going to create Chew. It's gonna, we're going to do like 60 issues. So we, st- we outlined like 60 issues. I want to say we wrote out, uh, I want to say we wrote out something like six issues, typed it up. Um, now we're like, we're, we complete our like six issue scripts. And I'm like, okay, we need to start a fan base. I was like, so we started the Luminarity. Uh, it was like, we were like, okay, if we create a website, kind of like the Nerdist, where we're reviewing movies, TV shows, uh, comic books, we can turn all our, our audience into our comic book uh, readers. So we did that from 2011 to I want to say 2014. Oh, wow. Uh, but, yeah. But here's the thing. <laughs> we worked on these big scripts, but it never went anywhere because we were trying to go for the Grand Slam. What we should have done was going for the bunt. And I always say uh, in baseball, the bunt is a lost art. So you want to start small, really small. Two pages, three pages. You want to, first of all, we were brand new. So you know, it's a time where social media is starting to blow up. And by saying starting to blow up, I mean like we have these comic clicks, these comic communities that we now see on Facebook and Twitter weren't really there in 2011. Um. So we're just doing this on the fly, kind of learning, and then trying to Google, and then, you know, everyone, all these, there's no standard to a script. I, I kind of wish there was sometimes, because everyone has their own point of view. Uh, you know, you have Alan Moore, who does what, um, one, two, one page is just two panels of description, where um, Bendis might put a sentence or two, and let his artists have fun. Um, so... Sorry, I kind of went on a uh, a rant there. No, but, man, you're good. You're, no, good. you're good. So, 2014 happens. Um, at this point, we're going to our late 20s. Uh, I I kind of have to. We for us, we had to get we had to get our real jobs. Um, so I got a job as a uh, recruiter, and Brian became a teacher. So, from 2014 to 2017, I was kind of writing, just you know, doing a lot of a lot of talking and less writing. Um, and then finally, in I want to say 2018, um, Ryan Koff, uh, Ryan, I, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name. I'm the worst at that. He introduces me um, to uh, Caleb, who's running um, uh, Modern Mythology. So that's my, my first published story is in modern mythology, uh, Water Jar Boy. And that's how it all started. And that's where I'm here now. 
Um, I'm on, I, I want to say um, I've been since 2018, 2019, I've been published uh, physically and digitally. I want to say seven times. Oh, nice. seven stories. Nice. All, uh, all shorts, right? Yes. All shorts. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting. I, I've talked to a couple people uh, about this and I feel like it's like all around that same age and era. Cause I want to say like, I'm, I'm probably around your same age and like I was reading Chew and why the last man and that like vertigo heyday type of thing. And uh, like, I want to say like every young writer, at least the few I've talked to, like myself, I could, I could talk for, about myself and a, a couple that I've interviewed have all been like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to make like the next insert the greatest thing ever since sliced bread. And they're just everyone's like, I just remember uh, with Man of Sin, um, like I did like the first six pages or something like that with Camilo. And I was like, oh, yeah, the, someone's just going to like look at this and be like, of course. Yeah. Publish on the spot. Here's here. Like, here's your deal. Like, I just thought it was going to happen. And little did I know, like, that is just not the case. And what's uh, so my, my first question is, like, what made you like, I know you said, like, oh, I got to get a job or whatever. But like, creatively, what made you have that shift between, all right, I'm going to go from making these long form magnus opus like my you know this is you know my my, yeah my my long form series to all right now i'm gonna go for the bunt i'm gonna go for shorts because i think not only is that like just a a really well well played and very savvy move but it's a move not very many people do right like i didn't like i banged my head against the wall for like five years um Two things. One, money. I, I can't afford. That makes um, sense. Yeah, right. I, that, then I couldn't afford it at all. Um, I can really afford it now, especially on shorts. Um, but it was pretty much watching people my age get published. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And I'll be honest, Tyler uh, James, Comic Drop, uh, Comic Launch as well, he told me. I want to say 2018. He's like, Phil, do shorts. Do shorts. Stop. Because I try. I, I think I was pitching him a few stories. And he's like, Phil, if you want to start, do shorts. So finally, I listened to him. I After like a year of him just telling me, do shorts, Phil. Do shorts. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do shorts. And it just, I've been riding that wave since. Yeah. I, I will say that. I will say this, man. Like, um, I was really honored uh, to be a part of Nightmare uh, Anthology that you were on as well. And one of my favorite stories, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but one of my favorite stories is Dinner with Blobby. Uh, it is just, uh, it's just so cool. It, it's uh, the horrors there, the the nod to the old '60s is there. The it the I love the dialogue and the pacing. So uh, kind of I I uh, had Clay on here, and he told me how it kind of happened uh, from the uh, uh, editor side. But I'd love to hear kind of how how you went about that creative process because it's a very different story than what a lot of the things that are in uh nightmare theater or that i've just read period so like how was that what was that like coming up with uh dinner with blobby so that was okay so that was that had to have been peak i want to say it really all started in like may uh it was about a month before my daughter was born um my son so we were all we're pretty much um my wife my son we're all because of quarantine. We're in our house twenty four seven. They're like, they're like, don't even leave your 
Don't leave your um, your front yard. Don't walk around. You just got to stay in your house. You're allowed in your backyard, but you can't go anywhere. Um, so my son, I don't know about your daughter, but my son was a terrible eater. Terrible. Cheese, chicken nuggets, bread, crackers. It was that, that sounds now. about right. <laughs> that sounds now, about right. How, I'm sorry, how, how old is your son now? I know. He's uh, now three and a half. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so at that point, he was probably, he was probably like I'd say, anywhere from 18 to uh, 21 months. Oh, yeah. But that's exactly how old my daughter is now. And yeah. uh, what's, what's funny is she refuses to like want to like, eat yeah. what's on her plate, but she likes to like steal the exact same thing off of our plates. <laughs> and so like we have to like take her, like put yeah. her fork in hers and pretend like it's coming off of our plate. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I've, we've learned to just embrace it. Sorry, so, I, didn't, I didn't mean to no, derail no, 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 I like hearing this about other parents too. So one of my, one of my regrets, and he'll even bring it up after I say it. Look, uh, so anyway, I, I didn't scream, but I would yell. Like, come on, eat your food. Let's go. I mean, uh, enough's enough. And it dry- and there were, I think, like twice we sent him to bed because um, he just wouldn't eat. But finally, he started eating. You know, but what, the one night we sent him to bed, and I felt terrible sending him to bed hungry. But if you're not going to eat, you have to learn. So I, we probably put our foot down. So um, I had the opportunity to write a story. And I was like, you know, they say, write what you know. And I was like, what if? I just talk about, take my argument with my son, turn the dial up 60 and make it like really just me and him going at it and him just having, being tired of being yelled at, you know, just kind of makes a wish. I wish I was bigger than my parents and transforms into a monster. But a cool twist is, and it's been so long and I, can't even think of what it is but there's a it's like a, it's not a disease it's like a there's this thing for kids especially women when they're pregnant they will eat things that they shouldn't be eating kids will be eating dirt and paper instead of eating vegetables and women i know that, that when they get pregnant they get these weird um cravings and some get as weird as like eating dirt so yeah it's it's, it's really really weird so it's like so in my story, I have uh, Henry eating, um, he's eating blinds, he's eating a drums, he's eating things that are not, not food, and it's turning him into this blobby monster. So when we saw the name, it was, I was like, when I talked to Clay, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it was something like, what if we put the thing and the blob together and called it blobby? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I like it. Some people like it. Life's like, I like the design, but the name? Blobby? I was like, it's a toddler. I'm not going to give him like, this really cool name. He's a toddler. Um, and then the best, one of my favorite scenes in that story is the uh, husband and wife um, kind of yelling as, as Blobby's destroying the neighborhood in the front, in the uh, background. And Don's ability to show the conversation and the uh, the facial expressions along with the body language as this, as the child's destroying everything in the background is what, uh, might be one of my favorite pages I've ever 
written and watch completed. Yeah, it's- I uh, <laughs> I know exactly which uh, which panel you're talking about there. Uh, it's a, it's a great panel, man. And so, uh, where'd you meet Don? How'd that kind of come about? So Don, it was also during quarantine, and Don was just looking to like see if he could get some gigs, uh, especially for indie creators, indie writers, up and coming. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, they say, stop considering yourself an amateur and just say you're a writer. So I'm like, all right, I'm a writer, and I'm gonna, go, and uh, I'm gonna, you know, roll my dice and see if he's interested. Um, and I sent him my script, I sent him my pitch, and he was like, yeah, let's do this. And honestly, Don and I have worked on several stories since then. Uh, we, the first, that's not even our first story, that one. Our first story is, um, the, it's the, what is the housebound anthology that, um, that was actually on Indiegogo. The reason it was on Indiegogo is because of Kickstarter has though had that charity rule. We have to be very careful. Oh yeah. So Kickstarter has this rule about, um, creating books and then the, the back, the backing going to donations. You can do it, but there are certain rules about it. Um, so, the guys who put together the housebound anthology were like, let's go on Indiegogo. We can do something like $500, which I think was what we made. It may have been a little more. It might have been like $600. Uh, we'll make a digital book and we'll donate the money to an organization. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did um, Curtis versus um, Mr. Chocolate. And what the story is, it's pretty much this guy is – he has an exterminator over at his house uh, and there's a snake in the attic and the exterminator has his radio or no, sorry. The exterminator's in the attic. The guy's making a sandwich. And then the governor announces on TV, we are now in a complete lockdown. Stay where you are. So the guy then sees the exterminator leaving the house and he's stuck inside. With the snake. Um, so the story goes over like several weeks. Starts with, week seven, week 14, week 21, and you see the guys, um, he, he has shades, he has to cut his hair, and his paranoia grows in each page. But by the end of the story, turns out he's just fighting a, uh, a garden snake. But <laughs> that's awesome. In each page, the snake is bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So uh, what, like, so you're, you're, you're starting to do all these shorts. Like, what are you learning about yourself as a writer? Like, what tips? Like, you obviously wrote all of the, like, you know, six full issues, and you had 60 issues outlined. What did what changed for you as a writer when you boiled it down to just a few pages? Like, how did you grow? What aha moments did you have? And what adjustments did you have to make from going long form to really short and concise stories. So it comes down to pacing. So my rule is if I have something like six pages, the first two have to be pretty much, I have to kind of focus on building the story, building the character on page three is when the character has a crisis moment on page four and five uh, four, we're kind of driving towards trying to what step does he need to make to resolve the crisis? Page five, by the last panel of page five, 
I pretty much need to know how to resolve the crisis and resolve, try to use the last page. If if I'm doing six pages, the last page as top two top panels, top panel one or panel two, pretty much resolving the crisis and then closing up the story with the last three panels. So really for me, it's all about pacing and making sure that the flow, I'm not rushing the ending and the character's arc is pretty much um, in sync with the flow of the story. Yeah. Now, was yeah. that something that uh, you you developed over time? Because that, that seems pretty, I mean, as you're talking to me about it, that seems, you know, about as you're going through it, it seems about right as far as like the amount of pages you have. And it's a lot better and a lot more, uh, I guess, not scientific, but a lot more uh, concise than what I did. I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's figure this out, Andrew. I got how many pages? All right, we got this, man. Uh, so like, what, like, how did you figure that out? So, okay, so this was something I do now. I do a, a, uh, uh, a puke draft. So pretty much each panel needs to be a sentence. And it just needs me to kind of go, I pretty go panel one plus panel two plus panel three plus panel four. All right, how, now how do, we, how do I make sure that the end of panel one goes into page two and I just do a sentence each time? From there, I then start putting actual panel description in. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll leave like dialogue or captions if it's coming to me. And then finally, after I complete the panel description, I then go through and go, go through dialogue for each panel. So do you write out so you uh, do you write out the panel descriptions first and then go back and do the dialogue? That's it's so interesting. Uh, I think Clay does that, and I want to. I've spoken to a couple writers, so that's how they do it, right? They go like they get the whole entire panel descriptions and then go and do the dialogue. And like I'm the exact opposite. Like I cannot go to the next panel, and I think it's just like I just have realized this is just my process, and I've accepted it. And I've just realized that like all right, like I can't really get to the next panel unless I know what they're gonna say. Because I like for me, I want to know. I want to give a direction, like a stage direction, like actor direction for that character. Yeah. To respond, like, and I can't just like make that up unless I know the the dialogue and like how they'll respond or if it's a response. Um, but I, I like Clay said something really interesting to me, uh, and it sounds like you do a very similar thing. Um, is you know he was like, well the art should be able to tell the story without any of the dialogue. And if you, if you can't like in, like in theory, you should be able to read a comic book and know what happens without reading the words. And I I thought that that was really powerful and it made me kind of just reflect on my own process in writing and make sure that I'm uh, doing more visual storytelling than I do actual, like, uh, I don't know, story through dialogue, you know, like, uh, you know, story through dialogue. I don't know what that would be like a uh, playwright version, TV no, version. No, and that's something I'm, I'm kind of fighting to right now. I'm working on a Western anthology and uh, I just, I'm, pr- I'm not done with the puke draft yet. I have three pages left, but I noticed that I, it's a rule of mine. I go, I try to go through the puke draft first and then go back and make edits. 
And sometimes I'll break my own rule. For example, I had a page one and two and it page one was pretty much, uh, uh, it was a montage of this woman's family dying. And then page two is her traveling. So then I was like, wait, I can give myself an extra page if I do a montage of a flashback, but do it montage, woman traveling, montage, woman traveling. Um, so I, I break down the entire montage and then each, each uh, even panel is the woman traveling. So then that allows me to have that extra page. So now one and two are one page and now page three is two. So that kind of clears up space for me to tell the story. And that's why I use the puke draft. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Now that, that puke check that you're calling it, uh, I do something similar. Like I go on my, um, like my process, I, I've talked about it a lot here, but like my process is like, I write out like the story itself kind of longhand. Um, and then I go back in my, in my journal and I number like one through 22. And I think that's kind of what the puke draft is. I've never, I just, I just call it outlining, but yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I'm going to start, I'm going to steal that the puke draft. And uh, I'm uh and then I, you know, I just write, you know, page one and then whatever is supposed to happen on page one. And then I go through that. And once I have that down, then I go through and uh, do like the full script version of it. But when you're doing the puke draft, do you have something before that? Or like, how do, how do you go from concept or idea to puke draft? Because like, I I know, I know for me, um, I, I have to write stuff out long form. Otherwise, like, I have no idea what I'm talking about or like, I just feel lost. Yeah, I do um, a synopsis Okay. first, and then from there, I try to do a synopsis. So if it's a short, no matter what, I'm going to do three paragraphs, if they, if they allow me to do three paragraphs. Sometimes I just want a paragraph. So if it's a paragraph, at least uh, one to two sentences for the, the first arc, second arc, and then the third arc. So, uh, then, so um, when you're, this, is, this, is like pre, this is like you pitching the story. Yeah, like an anthology. Yeah. Okay, so you before yeah. the puke draft even happens, you're doing like a synopsis and a um, like a, a a mini pitch, if you will. Yes, yes, yes. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. What's no, so that's an art in and of itself, man. So I gotta I gotta pick your brain on that because like how to uh, what uh, how do you develop that? Like how do you, what's your go to kind of um, <sighs> pitch format? Because I mean you're publishing a lot of stuff, so people must say yes, right? And so you, yeah, I don't know it, if I'm doing it right. I don't know if I'm doing it right or if I'm finally making the game or if the game can trust me. Um, I'm hoping it's cool. Um, so for pitches, what I've been doing lately is I'll do the story about um, uh, what's, what's the story I'm doing. It's um, I do what it's like. This this meets this high concept. For example. Um, I got, I think, I think I can, I think I, I can say, what can I say about it? I'm in volume two of this story that involves, uh, Cthulhu. That's what I'll say. Um, and the original, <laughs> that's what I'll say. I, I want to say the organizer for on social media, but I am not sure. <laughs> that's so, hilarious. <laughs> so I just say the volume two is involves Cthulhu. Um, so for this pitch, what I did was actually I did um, something where I did songs 
So I did. Um, you, you have you heard of Dispatch? Mm-hmm. So I did oh the man, general. I have I have not heard the Dispatch brought up in Jesus <laughs> uh, since like twenty maybe two thousand and nine or ten or eight yeah. somewhere in there. I I went to summer camp um, in the Adirondacks, and uh, I went to Forest Lake camp, and uh, the kids all loved Dispatch. All loved indie rock. And I fell in love. So I used the general. And the general is about this guy who's grown tired of war, doesn't want to fight, tells his soldiers, hey, if you don't want to fight, go home. It's okay. Next morning he wakes up, he goes outside his tent, and everyone's there. So I did the general meets um, Cat, Cat, in the Cra- is it Cat in the Cradle. Am I from, saying the title? From, from Cat Stevens? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think I, so. So for my pitch for this character I'm using, Humpty Dumpty, I did the general meets cat in the cradle. And from there, oh, is this for is this for John's thing? No, that's a different. We can I can talk about that after this. Oh, okay. John's thing is coming. Uh, I want to say that's coming in April. Oh, okay. I believe. But we'll talk. Yeah, I can talk about that too. So for this Cthulhu story. Um, I did songs for the high concept. These two songs, put them together, and that's the story. That's the story I'm telling. And it was for my synopsis. What I tried to do, and I think the synopsis was like a full paragraph. So if I'm doing it based on pages, I'm going to include pretty much the theme of the of the story, and try to talk about the points on on. Uh, the character's actions meet the theme. So if it's like, so this one page, I, I want to say it's six pages. I'm going to do um, two sentences per page by describing the action and then why, how that action leads to the next page as well as trying to um, link it with the theme. So is it like um, so it's like like a paragraph, like depending on yeah. like the uh, the page restrictions, like the yeah. you know whatever the anthology calls for. That's an interesting way to look at it, right? Where you're you're going back to, so, so they're basically hearing the story, but you're you're breaking it down, like sentences are pa- like one sentence per page, almost like a puke draft, yeah, or like much. a like a pre puke draft, if you will. Yeah, yeah, pre pre pre, pre yeah, pretty much. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's that's really smart. So, like, you're not trying to. Cause I I know one thing is like, um, I've talked to different creators, and like one of the hard things about pitches, it's like, all right, you need to tell the whole story, but then like, how do you still do that while, um, like, not overdoing it? Like, you could overdo it really easily and not underdoing it, and not being redundant and still being captivating. So, like, there's an art to that, and. Uh, you you definitely got it going on, man. Because you're you're in seven. You're you what would you say seven published already? And then you got what? How many coming down the pipeline? So I have it. I I have uh, I have a uh, zombie story. Yeah. I have John's. I have the Cthulhu. I had actually short story prose. I have a western. So right now I have six stories coming. Oh wow, that's awesome, and, man! 
I've been driving this wave since last uh, April. All right. Uh, so now I, I gotta, I gotta start picking your brain about, uh, so I want to rewind a little bit to where yeah. you decided like, Hey, I need to, um, I need to start making shorts. I'm going to, you know, do some shorts. Did you just automatically have this output in you or was there a lull and a buildup? Like, how did you get from, all right, I'm going to start making shorts to, all right, now I'm going to, now I'm on, as you called it, the wave. Like, how did you yeah, get there? Yeah, so lots of law. Um, so I would travel to, um, from Ronkonkoma to Jamaica on the train. It's about an hour. Um, it was at 7 o'clock in the morning. So I'd tell myself, I'm going to write in the morning, and then I'd get I'd get on the train, start riding, and I'd pass out. And then like, wake up right, before, right as my train's stopping, right before my train. I'm like, oh, I can't, can't write. I fell asleep. Um, so there were, you know, a few years of just not saying I'm going to write, trying to write, but not really producing anything. Um, once my son was born, something came up, something turned on. And that was me trying to prove to myself that one, I can be a writer and two, I can prove, I can tell my kids, hey, I did it. Kind of like what you have said before about what you do, with, you know, proving to your daughter dreams are possible. 100% man that's awesome that's awesome and then once I linked uh, up with C- Comic Launch it's like I opened 50 doors because one I'm networking people are starting to know who I am they can trust me and then once you start producing as long as you continue to produce people are going to notice you they're going to notice your name they're going to notice oh I've heard about this person oh this person look at this, this, this person's awesome I want to talk to this person. I want to know what they're doing. And I want them to join me too. And an issue I'm currently having is saying no. Mm. Because mm. I'm afraid if it stops, I'm not going to get it back. That's, that's interesting, that, right? So you went from, you went from uh, almost, uh, it's, like a, it's like almost like an inverse imposter syndrome. Like if yes. you, if you, it's, like a, it's like a shark. Like if you stop, uh, if you stop swimming, you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm scared of that. I am really, and it's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I don't know if it's gonna. Uh, I wouldn't say that, right? Like, I, I, I would, hope not. But like, I, I literally been, like I said, I've been, I describe it as been riding this wave, where right now I haven't had actual Kickstarter come out since. I want to say since Nightmare Theater, but I have plans for being involved in the Kickstarters from April to far as next October, I believe. Oh, wow. So like you're once yeah. like the second quarter of 2021 starts, you're going to be like, yes, nonstop. yes. But yeah, and I want to keep going. So I just, I have to make sure that I don't screw up and don't, um, and people don't go, I don't think I'm a screw up and people can't trust me anymore mm. if I take on too much work. So I need to manage it a little better. And I can tell you right now, Andrew, when is, when is your second child born, um, due date? Uh, in June, June 8th. In June. Yeah. So, so oh yeah, it's perfect. Cause my daughter was like, she was like three weeks early. So enjoy all your writing now. <laughs> Once she's born, you're still good. You're still good for, once she's born to, 
I want to say four to five months. And then once they start being awake more during the day, you, 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 you might lose it a little bit. So get yeah. in as much as you can in the next six months. Because if you can do that, then six months after that, at least you're having more work come out. Yeah, for sure. I know um, it was, I had a big adjustment when my, uh, when my first daughter was born, um, just not being able to just not be, so like, I never had a problem with finding time to write um, before my daughter was born. I was just like, okay, like it's just me and my wife. So like, I'm going to go write. See ya. Like, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye, hon. Right. And, uh, and then when my daughter was born, I had to like re figure out my like daily schedule and what I was doing beforehand. So I used to wake up like early in the morning and get like two pages in. And then that was just impossible with a kid. Not only was like early in the morning didn't exist anymore because my daughter was up early in the morning, uh, but like the quality of writing that I was pumping out because of like being a father and like, you know, no sleep and all that other stuff was like, it was like I would go when I would write something, I'd write two pages and then I'd have to go back and rewrite it and rewrite it. And like, it was just awful. So I just had to kind of like, I had to like really kind of have a talk with myself and be like, Hey man, like when are you the most productive? When are you free? And at first it started off just like you said, like, uh, I would I would find like little pockets when she would nap and I would just like try to like all right and I, I, I toned down what I expected of myself so instead of two pages maybe it was just a page or maybe it was like whatever like whatever I could fit in now that she's a little bit older um, I usually I usually write um, at night now like not at night but like evening after she goes like to bed because she goes to bed pretty early like um, like seven ish um, so I use that time to write and it's, it's a lot easier for me to kind of get all of that, uh, all of that stuff in. Um, but now adding a second child, that's a whole new ball of wax. Yeah. It, it did hit me until, so my daughter is turning, I want to say, she just turned eight months. So from, about two to three months before she was born to her being about five months old, I wrote more than I've ever written before. And then I don't know if it was the holiday. Usually I love the holidays. I don't know if it was just the holidays. I just, I returned. So I had 10 weeks off from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, 12 weeks off. My, for not, yes. It, it, thank God for my company. So I was able to write for those 10 weeks. And then once I returned to work, was just literally working from 8 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night and just all December, half of January, not getting any writing done. And just me just trying to write, trying so hard, but just being like, just kind of like with the pandemic and just not being able to see family during the holidays. It was just, I I don't want to say I was like depressed, but it was just to the point where I was, I couldn't, there was no creative juices in me. I, I couldn't do anything. But then once 
my kids started returning to daycare, that's when I was able to kind of start organizing my time a little better and being able to kind of, yeah, to be honest, again, it was your podcast where I want to say it was Jason Aaron who was, was looking out the window and his wife saying, what are you doing? You're writing. And I now use that, especially when there are times where I don't want to use my phone to write. My, my, my wife is sleeping. I'll sit up, I'll put on music and I'll just think about panels. And I'll think about the edits I have to make or the next page I want to write. And I don't count that as like when I tweet, oh, you know, oh, I wrote three pages, but I don't do that. But I keep it in the back of my head and I'll say, okay, tomorrow morning, this is what you're going to write. And I, I don't remember every little detail, but I try, I remember the, the themes of, and the, the foundation of what I want to write. Yeah, man, that daydreaming is so powerful i feel especially for uh creatives so uh i know stephen king in his book i don't know if you read his book on writing but he just talked he talks about like just sitting down and writing and just letting the writing go and while that works for him and some people are are able to do that like people have prolific careers and all that i realize that that's not me right And, and for me right i have to be able um, and I've said it before on the podcast, I have to be able to hit play in the movie in my head. And I have to um, spend the time constructing the mental um, space uh, for my characters and my world to live in. Um, and that's the majority of my writing. That takes like the longest part yeah. of my, like longest part of my day, because you're, you're literally creating something that doesn't exist in the, in the universe, right? Like if there was ever real magic in the world, it is, creating and and writing because you're creating something tangible like in the universe that did not exist and would not exist unless it came from your mind and that's like i think really powerful going back to like what the reason why you're um writing for for your children and 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 why i'm doing why a lot of people do it is like i want to be able to show my daughter like hey like this stuff is, is real. This didn't exist. This wouldn't exist on this shelf. Here, grab it, hold it, look through it. Like these things are tangible in this world and it wouldn't exist uh, unless I I did it. And that's, that's really powerful stuff. And then sometimes I think that stuff gets lost on creators. And I know it did for me kind of, I was talking uh, um, to you guys on on this, in our, in our uh, mastermind group, about how I kind of wanted to hang it up. And like, I had, I had this, this kind of like, why am I doing this feeling? Can and I ask it, a question about that? Yeah. So I'm interested in that because I, I don't have them as much as I used to, but there were times that I like, what are you doing? I could save so much money. I could, I, don't, I wouldn't be on social media because I'm on Twitter. One network, two people see me so I can share my stories. If, if I didn't write, I probably wouldn't be on social media. So I would agree with you on what, that. What was it? Was it you were writing a story? What was the, what point was it where you're like, maybe I'm done. And then what, what was the point where you decide, no, I have to finish this. Uh, the point when I was done, um, it was, I think it was like a, a combination of a couple things. Um, I had put so much like time and effort into a lot of campaigns and a lot of my own work and not seeing them go anywhere. Um, so like 
I spent so backtracking here a little bit. So like in 2015, I uh, I kickstarted the first issue of Man of Sin, and then yeah. I got uh, picked up by a management company out in Hollywood to um, produce some stuff for them and like for for like movies and television. And then I spent two years developing scripts and spec stuff that didn't go anywhere. And that was like, that took a lot of wind out of my sails, but I, uh, I just, I was like, you know what? I didn't really want to do that anyways. I kind of want to do this comic thing. So I was, wasn't too, um, knocked down about it. I, I, I was still actually kind of happy, kind of, I learned a bunch of stuff about myself and writing and then I was cool with it. <clears throat> so then fast forward and I did the whole man of thin, sin thing. I, I was doing some, some shorts. I did the forgotten hymns thing. And uh, it was just, it was weird. I was, um, I was reading, I forget what book I was reading. Maybe I was reading Stephen King's on writing. I, I read writing books all the time. Um, I cycle through them. And uh, I was just like, man, all this time and energy. Oh, I know the, the tipping point was uh, one of the artists that I was working with uh, was very, very unhappy with some edits that came in. And I had yeah. to kind of walk him off the ledge. And uh, I was like, man, I'm spending all of this time, all of this energy, all of this, you know, thought process on comic books when I could just use all that time, energy. And so I didn't want to stop creating so that I don't want to say like I was going to hang up creating. I was like, I could just do prose. Um, And I was really thinking about it. And then I realized that it wasn't it wasn't the prose that I wanted to do. It was. I didn't want to do all the other stuff that you have to do to be an independent comic book creator. Right. Yeah. And so once I had like, I just really, I just was like, well, why do I want to write prose? Um, and the only thing that came, came to me was I want to create without worrying about the other crap. And then I realized like, Oh, I would basically just be starting over. And I think there was a little bit of fear um, I had a really successful uh, campaign for Forgotten Hymns. And I think I was a little bit fearful that I had to follow up with that. Like there was expectations now. So it was a little bit of fear of success. Like I knew, I know the trajectory that I'm I'm going on and that I want to go. And so I think it was some un, some subconscious like, all right, you have to do this. Here's the bar you set for yourself. If you don't hit that bar, you're a failure, which is like totally wrong thinking, but it's, but it's, it happens, right? Like it happened to me. I'm not going to deny it. And so once I started kind of just being honest with myself on like, why am I feeling this way? Um, Why am I thinking this? And like kind of unpacking these feelings and where they're coming from. And I do a lot of, um, I, I do a lot of journaling and and things things like that. So once I was able to kind of get to the root of me wanting to hang up comic book writing and, and all of this stuff, I realized that it wasn't comic book writing that I was running away from. I think it was the realization that if I want to make this go somewhere, the stuff that I don't like, I have to embrace. Yeah. And the embracing part scared me. And so once I realized that um, and make peace with that, um, then I was able to kind of move forward. 
So I'm at that point right now for myself. Not that I want to be done, but embracing what I don't do. Two things I don't do. I don't do a newsletter. I do. I don't know if people want to hear what I say. Um, I mean, I run the anthology group. I run I Love Horror Comics. Um, and I don't do enough posting and kind of like, I don't do like paragraph posts. I'll post a meme. I'll post an article. But that's it. I don't give substance. And I think as a writer, what I need to do right now is give substance and give give it a personality post-wise on the I Love Horror Comics or uh, or even the anthology group. I, I, I go, okay, here's, here's an article. Have fun. I, I don't give my point of view. I don't really explore what, I, what I'm thinking when, when posting an article. Um, so I have that. And then one thing that I need to do, and Mark from our comic launch group will be helping me, is creating a website. Uh, a few about a month ago, someone posted, "Hey, does anyone from I'm part of the comic? The com- Have you heard the Comic Jam? Mm-mm. So it's writers and artists who once a week we vote on themes, and we we have a week to uh, write a one page story, and then it gets passed on to an artist. The artist has more than a week, but each week we try to each it's not, it used to be a week now it's maybe like bi weekly every or every three yeah it's either um, bi we it's most likely bi weekly. Um, we we do themes. We vote on themes, and then we have to do a one page story about the theme. Um, and so someone had posted on Instagram. Anyone from Comic Tri- uh, from uh, Comic Jam? Do you uh, sh- share your prof- uh, portfolio? I know some people in the UK who are interested in bringing on writers for their children books. I have a Google Doc. I talked to the guy, and he said, "Oh, you have a website." I was like, "No, I, I couldn't do anything." I mean, it, I. If I had if I had the website, maybe he would have passed it on to someone at this publisher, and they'd be like, "This guy wrote Blobby. What the hell is Blobby?" And if he liked it, it could have led to more. It could have led to some really cool opportunities. And the fact that I screwed myself over by being lazy and being afraid, um, that kind of convinced me that I need to, like you said, embrace what you're afraid of doing. And the uh. What, I used to do themes for my years. Um, 2021 was create your own opportunities. And 2021, uh, sorry, 2020 was create your own opportunities. 2021 is grab the the brass ring. So my goal this year is to grab the brass ring. Um, So like I said, I have seven articles, seven um, shorts coming out. um, And now I'm going to be building a website, maybe doing a newsletter. I just don't know. I got, I know how to write, but I, I got to learn how to actually talk to people via a newsletter. So, so my, uh, yeah. my newsletter. So mm-hmm. I had the same thing with my newsletter, right? So like I, when I first started, I was like making these like incredibly long and I thought like value rich, um, like blog posts like newsletter posts right they were like if you printed them out they were probably like six pages maybe even more and it was all about like creating and like my my thoughts on that stuff right and they were a mother to write like they were taking up like all of my creative juices and all of my time because when you're writing something like that you know it's just not like 
off the cuff. I mean, I guess it could yeah. be, but like mine weren't. Like I was like structuring, yeah. I was structuring them basically like a academic paper, but on creativity, and it had, uh, you know, more of my personality and is a little bit more um, conversational, um, but still, nonetheless, it was still very structured, and no one opened it. No one, like very few people care. I'm sure like the one or two people who liked it were like, what the hell? Why did these go away? But like no one opened it because it was just too long to read. Like you got to think like most people are opening your stuff on the phone. Right. And, and I've, it was during one of our mastermind groups, someone said like, just shorten it down. Like just do like a top, like a list. And so like every Friday I just, I sent out, um, a top five Friday where I just come up with like my five, I just randomly make up five things and I just rank. It's not even rank. I just like, here are the five, my five yeah. favorites like this or five favorite that. And, and then sometimes I make it personal. Like here are my five, like uh, creative issues I'm having or struggling with, or my five tips, like five things that give me writer's block or like, you know, whatever it might be, or here are my five characters I just created. And that's just a really easy and low stakes way. And the um, the open rate for them went through the roof. And like people are actually responding because it's it's a page. You can, yeah. you could dispute it. It's like, oh, this is an awesome list. Oh, you forgot this person. Oh, what about that? Like I get people responding. Yeah. I get the interaction. I think if you're like trying to do this like really big thing, especially we're both as fathers strapped for time. Yeah, time like, for that. Yeah, like I don't have time for that. Like I was doing a so like I was sending three emails a week for six months. I was doing in a actual like full on like blog conversation with my buddy Alex called Behind the Page. I like those. Oh, you, it's, it's, everyone likes them, right? Okay, like, yeah, I, those so, those are fun. So one of what's so interesting, right? I thought zero people would be interested in those, and. That is like when I put out surveys, that's like, yeah, don't stop. I actually had to pull back. I told, so we, we have our one last one. It's a season. Uh, we're calling it our season finale. And then we're going to take a little bit of break. Okay. Like, but if you take a break, you got to promise to come back. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to come back. You convinced I, me. Okay. I also think, I think it would be fun. Listen, like I said, I'm obsessed with process. And I think you have, um, created a a brand, and I think you should. It doesn't. I know you're busy. You have your said, but you think about it, you have your. She's a. Uh, it's gonna be a girl. No, uh, I actually uh, I didn't. It's gonna be a boy. I'm gonna have a, a son. And congratulations, congratulations. Thank so you, the boy, right, congratulations, the boy. So you have a few months till the boy. You should do biweekly or even monthly. You guys should do. It, it could be 30 minutes. What you do on that email is a podcast. Oh, me and... Right. Yeah. Like where me and him talk? Yeah. So that was my original pitch to him. So what, what's interesting, and Alex, the, uh, shout out to Alex. He's a good buddy of mine. We would, before my daughter was born, and this was pre-COVID, we, every Sunday we would, because uh, we kind of live close to each other, like the Chicagoland area, we would go and have coffee with each other. And these would be the conversations we would have. Yeah. Like, uh, and, uh, I was like, man, this should be a podcast. And he's like, he was kind of like, I, I don't want, like, he was kind of like, I had to, I had to like force him to be the on my first episode of this. 
And he was like, you know, I, I don't want to do a podcast really. Maybe I could like twist his arm and make, make him do it. Uh, I'm sure Alex, you know, maybe we could do it. The fan, the fans want what they want, Alex. Alex, and, I'm telling you right now, comic, uh, re- like the up and coming ones need this stuff because it's not enough. A lot of the entertainment podcasts and the websites, it all focus on movie writing, TV show writing, and you can use bits and pieces from there. But a lot of it we can't. Why? Because as writers, I would love to do like, uh, for example, um, it's this uh, YouTube show, talking screenwriting, I think. And it was this, um, I want to say it was like The Shining. And the way that Kubrick in the background used things to tell the story. No, it wasn't that. It was um, the joke, uh, Todd Phillips, who did The Joker. Okay. Where, wh- while we are watching um, Phoenix act and become the Joker, there are also things happening behind him that are moving the story forward. And that is something that I want to see from writers do, but also talk about it on podcasts because we don't really get to see that like we do with directors or actors in movies and TV shows. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh... You know what's so interesting is that this originally wasn't going to be uh, a process podcast and it developed into one on accident, right? Like, so uh, originally I wanted to just go through like the mental aspects, right? So like it's called um, Don't Try, Make It Happen, which is, um, it's a derived from one of my favorite quotes um, from Charles Bukowski, who's a... um, who's a writer and poet. And he says, you know, um, if you're going to try, go all the way. And that really, that resonates with me all the time. Right. Like if I'm going to do this comic book thing and I want this like uh, to be for my daughter and to show my daughter and eventually my son, um, you know, they could do anything they want. Like that was another thing that, you know, going back to what got me to like get back on the horse and reevaluate. It's like, if they went on the shelf and was like, so you only have one book. Like what yeah. happened? Like why? Yeah. Like, like that's so. Like then, what lesson am I teaching them then? Like, oh, you can do whatever you want until it gets hard, and then you got to stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not the lesson I want to give my children. No. Um, and so uh, I got derailed. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, it was about oh, the, podcast. Oh, the original. Yeah, the original podcast. So I wanted to talk about with people like how they how they went how they got from like thinking about yeah. making stuff to like what, what mental hurdles or what moments in their life got them over those hurdles. And then what I found was a lot of people haven't really thought about that stuff. Like it just kind of, they're like, they go through their life and then as they go through their trials and in their daily life, things happen and it's less of an aha moment than what uh, a compound interest of things that they do. And what I found is the only way I could get to that moment that I was looking for is to talk yeah. about all the little things that led up to that. And so it just happened that as I was in conversations with people, um, the only way I could get to where I wanted to go was to ask the process stuff. And then what I found was that writers and artists love to talk about process 
and they don't have yeah. an outlet. And so yeah. what I found, what I found is like, oh, uh, apparently not only am I getting to the point of this, of my original thesis and the, and, and why I want this, but I'm also connecting and learning from people that, you know, I respect and that my peers and uh, like every podcast, I always take one or two things into my toolbox that I never had. Um, and I just, and it makes me feel less crazy as a writer because you yeah. feel it's such a lonely thing. Even when you're collaborating with an artist, like you're on an Island by yourself and the whole time you're doing it, you're like, I don't know. Is this right? I, I hope so. Right. So, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna use the Lonely Island thing for a second. So you might, you mind if I tell a quick story? Yeah, go for it, man. The, okay, we can right, do whatever so, we want. Uh, for all of forever, even though nerds started being really cool, I want to say probably after I went to college. And of course, not high school. Nerds couldn't be cool, <laughs> but like I love comics, right? But to be honest, I hid them in my textbooks, like reading them. Uh, and that and that even happened in college. Um, so I, so this was, this was, uh, I, I don't know what year it was in college, but I was taking um, political science class. And in most of my classes, if I kind of got bored and I'm not trying to sound like, oh, I knew what they were talking about. But if like, if I knew there wasn't going to be a test on this, or if I knew that uh, I wasn't going to be graded somehow, I kind of like, you know, got a pen and I start writing in my notebooks, but not like in the corners or on the side of the notebook. Um, and then I, I always had like people say next to me, like my friends, like, what are you doing? What are you writing? Why are you writing in the corner of your notebook? Like a weirdo. Cause I would try to keep my notes. So if the, if the teacher walked by, they saw the notes. So I, I had this one friend, Scott Matthews, who took a bunch of classes together. And for years, you always wonder, what else Phil doing? So I, my first published story, Modern Mythology, he contacts me. I haven't talked to him for like years. And he goes, Phil, now, years later, I finally know what you've been doing. You've been writing stories in your notebook. And now you're a published writer. I've always wanted to know what the hell you were doing, Phil. That's so, awesome, man. So, yeah, it is lonely because you, you want to tell these stories, but you don't have an outlet. Um, and that's, that's why your podcast it's a great place for people like me, people that have, I don't know if I've made it yet. You know, I'm going to say I've made it because guess what? I don't need to write for DC. I don't need to write for an image. If I have seven published stories, I'm okay. I'm happy. I mean, I want more and I'm not trying to sound greedy, but greed can be a little good when it comes to being hungry and I'm not done and I want to do more, but I, I have now, I can now tell my story. So kids, like me, where I'm thirty, oh god, thirty four years old. So uh, kids that are, are in their are, are in their twenties are making my same mistakes. Can learn. I have, I think there was uh, one writer. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to like uh, call him out in case you know he doesn't want to be. But he came to me and was like, "Phil, I want to write." Um, and I was like, "That's awesome. Okay, show me what you got." And he kind of had like just dialogue the entire time. I was like, okay, and he was talking about, I'm going to pitch a series. I was like, whoa, whoa, calm down. We're going to start with shorts first, and let's grow from there. But before we do shorts, you need to work on your your format. Are you telling prose, or do you want to tell comics? 
So my goal, I think, is to start actually coaching younger writers because I, I want them not to say, I'm going to create the, my, my max series. That's how I'm going to start 12 issues. Like, Hey, you can have these dreams, but be smart because if, if you're going to go for the, the grand slam and just sit, just say you don't hit the ball, uh, you don't hit the ball hard enough and you, and you do fail, you might just give up. So before doing that, practice the bunting. Because like I say, bunting's a lost art, but you can you can get the first base. Yeah. And that's the first step. I I I love that analogy and it's you know, it's something that like I, I realize too, just piggybacking off the uh the baseball thing is like you don't just all of a sudden just walk onto the field and you're playing in the majors. Right? Like you yeah. gotta you gotta go through the farm leagues. You gotta you gotta pay your like even the guys, who, who, insert any guy, any writer you want, any person, right? Like, they didn't just wake up one day and say, like, all right, I'm going to work for Marvel now, right? Like, <laughs> like that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> like, and Unless you're some... Canadian. You ever notice some of the Canadians? They get, like, one story published, and then they're working for Marvel. So I don't <laughs> notice a little trend. Some of the Canadian writers, they got, like, one story, one Kickstarter, and all of a sudden they're, they're working for Marvel. I'm like, what? Did I miss something? Did, <laughs> did, did, did I, did, I mean, congratulations, but what did you do? How did you, how did you the, uh, ride? I, I hear it's the water. It's the uh, Tim Hortons up there. It's that coffee, man. It just, they bring that coffee to the office and they, just, they have, uh, they have uh, a five-story arc. Yeah, that's... And I'm like, what? Actually, I will say the one Canadian I know that has worked so hard and i have followed him since his lettering when i uh when I, my buddy and i um created the luminarity one of the first people we got because we when we were in our 20s these guys were like celebrities to us ed mm. brisson was is a comic celebrity to me and my buddy brian harris so we got like ed brisson he was a, he was a letterer at that point um he might have published oh my god his murder books um and then he did lettering for kurt what Kurt uh, Kurt Wybie's Peter Pan but that that man is a hustler so if there are any young creators follow the career of Ed Briston extraordinary he hustled and got it done there are some other Canadians sometimes (laughs) I'm going to get cancelled for this I just cut the line I have no idea uh, about the cutting of the line but I will say this Uh, I met I met Ed Brisson at uh, C2E2 here in Chicago. It has to have been 10 years ago now. Um, and he gave me like some of the, the best advice I ever, I, I ever got. He was just like, Hey man, like uh, do what you want to do. Like, and, and don't let anyone give you permission. Like don't wait around for permission. And it was around yeah. the same time that uh, Ben Templesmith uh, at another C2E2 might have even been the same one I don't remember basically said the same things and um, I, I want to say like between Ed Brisson uh, and Ben Templesmith they're a big reason why I, I started um, because I wouldn't have you know th- they said no one needs to give you permission but them telling me that was the permission that I needed yeah right like which was which is yeah interesting to think about right like um, and I know like when I'm thinking about um, creators just starting 
Um, Cause I think about myself all the time, like where I was and like what I would want. Like, this is why I um, am doing the podcast and one of like different things is to like younger or newer, or however you want to slice it writers. Um, they have a resource that I wish I had, right? Like how many, how many times, like I didn't hear any writers talk about writing with other writers or like, yeah. or other creators like that just, even the stuff that you get, it's usually like, it doesn't get deep into the process or the nuts and bolts. And, no, and like it doesn't. How, how... I, I love knowing, I want to know why a character did made a left instead of a right. Those little things to me matter because one, it gets into the character and it, it's part of the story. That, that's why I want to know why a character or, or hey why did you have a character for your script and got rid of your script At, once like I had that like a, a bigger prof- a portfolio th- those are the conversations I want to have I, I want people to ask me those type of questions because I find that stuff fun kind of go, going back into the trenches and exploring story panel by panel yeah that's awesome um have you, do you listen to uh, uh, Matt Kuhn? I think it's, uh, we know Matt, Matt Kuhn. Yeah, yeah, Kuhn. I listen to Matt, yes, yes. His uh, Constructing Comics, they do a lot of that stuff with him and yeah, Noah. Yeah, he's, that's a good, that's a really good one. Um, I gotta talk to him, so I would love to be on that one. Yeah, those are, the, again, those are, awesome. those are, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk to him about that, because I want more podcasts like that. Yeah. Um, and Andrew, I'm gonna, again, uh, hype you up. And this is, so we were talking about before you mentioned things that you don't want to do that you have to do. Um, and I mentioned, like, I do a newsletter and I, I got to do a, pro, a, uh, a website. But one thing that I always applaud people for doing because I cannot do it and I can't do it because one, I, I have excuses. One, my kids. Two, my, my day job. Three, I, I think it could break me, <laughs> um, is running a Kickstarter. I just, I know I'm going to do it one day. Maybe when my kids are a little bit older and I'll be less stressed out with them as, as kids running around. But the fact that you've been able to do successful Kickstarters, you've won. I know you want more, but you've accomplished what people like me will just don't want to do right now. Well, well thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, I want to challenge you on that thought. Can I? Yeah, challenge. Go away. Go, go ahead. I think you're. You've done a bunch of kickstarters, like I, to, like like adjacent, right? Like you do all the you do the hard. What's interesting is you do the hard stuff, <laughs> stuff that I don't like. Most people don't want to do like the I promo. Like yeah, I, right? I like doing that stuff. I get, and I know people don't like doing it, and people are like they always give me looks like, "Why are you doing that?" I like to go grassroots. In in reality, I would never work for a campaign. I'm not knocking your door, but on Twitter. I feel more comfortable tweeting at people because one, they're telling me, I like this genre. I like this movie. I think it was, what was I, what was I, um, oh, it was the uh, Batman Theater. I think people were, was it that one? It was, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't remember, but someone, I was looking at people who liked Angel, oh yeah, it was Angel and Buffy. That's what it was. It was Angel and Buffy. I did uh, 13th Moon. It was a. It was actually inspired by my commute to uh, Jamaica. 
and I create a demon train where demons um, are bringing home the bodies they have taken from our world and they're bringing them to hell. Um, and the uh, conductors are Slendermen. So that story was about this guy who's now taking over this abusive husband, abusive husband, uh, abusive father and husband. Um, and the demon actually, because he took over this person's body, started humanizing the man again. Um, and the, but as he's humanizing the man, he's also, the demon's becoming, is starting to humanize. So the demon at the point doesn't want to go back to hell. He enjoys being a human. He enjoys being a father. He enjoys being a, um, a, a father and a husband. He's learned to be human. Um, and that story on Twitter, I started, like, there was a day where I was like, all right, let me focus on people who are tweeting about um, Angel and Buffy. So I started tweeting at them. If I get at least, if I tweet 15 times, but I only get one backer, I'm six, to me, that's successful. Yeah. I, that's I, I, I'm not going to get, if, unless I do that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think I think that's the hard part for a lot of people. And that's the exhausting part, at least for me, is the promotional stuff while a Kickstarter is running. And like the putting a page together and, uh, you know, interacting with, with backers and the fulfillment side and the production side. That's what um, scares me. The, 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 the production side, there's a learning curve, but once you go through through it once, you kind of get up. Yeah. It, it, what's what's really nice is that the comic book community, I found in general, um, is super helpful and supportive. And like, literally any person I've ever reached out to for anything in the comic book world has been there to give me advice or at least point me in a direction if they couldn't help me. And so, and even the printers that I've worked with, um, like when I had no idea what I was doing, like I remember uh, the first time I, I was uh, putting together Man of Sin and I was self-publishing it for the first time. I uh, I had no idea that like files had to be like a certain way. And the printer was like, I don't know what you just sent me, but I can't print this. And like, they had to like walk me through. So like, I had to like learn um like I learned kind of some like really rudimentary like Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator. And like for Man of Sin, uh, the uh, trade paperback version, like I created the covers, like not the covers, but like the spine and the back cover and all that stuff. Like I did that all, you know, do it yourself. Like, um, and it was just trial and error and figuring it out. And, and it's one of those things. It's like, all right, like, do I, I'm always like second guessing myself, like, all right, this looks awful. But then I really like, that's just me critiquing my own art. And if I like put it next to anything on my bookshelf, you don't, you couldn't tell that I did it. Right. If I remove myself and looking at all the blemishes, right. Uh, No one knows. And it's, it's interesting. So today, um, uh, so I, I gave, uh, Forgotten Hymns, I just got the, the physical books. In. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, was it yesterday, two days ago? Uh, and one of my colleagues backed the Kickstarter, and so I gave her um, a copy of Forgotten Hymns at work. And uh, I overheard 
people talking or whatever in the office and they're like, Oh, what is that? And it's like, Oh, Andrew writes comic books. And they had no idea. They're like, Oh, like it was, it was interesting because like I'm in it. Right. I'm in the comic book industry. Right. I'm in the yeah. minor, I'm in the minor leagues. Right. Or what we would get, like, I consider. No, like, I don't know if I consider what you're doing in the minor leagues anymore. Well, well right? um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I, yeah. Like, like, I'm not writing for Marvel or DC. Yeah, yeah, you know that, yeah. Right, and so that's what I mean by that, right? But the way they were talking about it, like, I heard, like, they have no idea, right? And so, like, I had to step, take a step back. It's like, oh, I'm being too harsh on myself. Like, I'm creating something that didn't exist in the world. Yeah. And that is what I have to be proud of. Yeah. And so, like, so, so like... I don't think I'm in the minor leagues, right? So to say, yeah. but I have to, I think all creators have to like, don't be so harsh on yourself because yeah. to someone else, what you're doing is amazing that they can never do. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. And yeah. And like, I, I think it was like, so my coworkers are now kind of like start, some of them started following me on uh, social media. And to me, I'm like, Oh no. Like my, I feel like my secret, my secret is, is like, and I think one of them, we were in a meeting and someone shout out Phil Rice comics. I was like, oh, oh, whoa, hey, I don't, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's not for the world to know. The person's like, you're on social media, bro. <laughs> Once it's out there, they know. I was like, all right, fine. So I have to, I also have to get used to, if I want to do something like Kickstarter, I have to be comfortable with saying, hey, colleagues, hey, my aunts. Here's my link. Please back me. Because I, like I said, I can I can tweet at random Sue over there. If I know she's a fan of Lovecraft, I can I can picture this Kickstarter. And if I don't do that, I'll never get that reader. But going to people I know, that is harder for me. Oh, for for sure. I I completely agree. Like it it um it felt weird at first, right? But Here's the thing, right? So say you're working at um, Marvel. Do you want them to pick up your book at Marvel? Yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And so like I, and the other thing, like say you were, say you, you started a, a brewery, right? Craft brewery, Phil's brewery. And they walked in. Sure. You might give them a free beer because you know them, but you want them to buy your beer, right? It's the it's the same thing, right? And if they're going to buy something, I would rather like I'm sure like in reverse, like I support my friends, yeah. I support my family, like I want to be there for them and what they're doing and supporting them. And so like that was something that I had to get over internally too, because it felt weird, right? It feels um slimy a little bit, right? Like Yeah, yeah, no, it does a little bit. It does. Yeah, but in like, it's not like I'm like trying to scam them. It's not like I'm trying to get them into a pyramid scheme. It's like, yeah. this is my work. I want to put it out in the world. And like, it's almost confirmation of how much like love these people have for you, right? Like, that's the way like I see it now. It's like, oh, like, like they could do anything else with their money in life and, and time and energy and attention span but the fact that they you know 
want to give me, you know, they gave me five bucks for my comic book. They may never yeah. read it, but it's like, hey, man, like, I like you as a person. I want you to keep doing what, what you do because we love you. And that's kind of how I had to reframe it in my head. And you got me this close to maybe <laughs> finally doing something next October. So I have like these three stories. I actually plan on pitching it to a publisher. They asked me literally the day before Thanksgiving. Like, hey, they invited me. Hey, we want you to pitch to us. Now, Thanksgiving, that's right around the time where I, I said I hit that creative wall where I, I just couldn't write. I just, I was just done. I was just done. Maybe because I had written from uh, May to, to October. I just got two Kickstarters done that I, that I, that I was part of. Um, and I was just shot. So I have the three stories. I have Chalk Town. Um, sorry, no, it's called Chalk Children. I have Nine to Five Capes, and I have Lovecraft Bets. Those are the stories that I want to make into many series. So I, I told myself March was going to be the month where I walked away from shorts and focused more on on um, pitches. But I am now. What, what day we we are on day four, and I'm actually still working on some shorts. Like I said, I don't want to stop even though I know I should stop. Um, so after this conversation, I might just do it in, in October. I, I actually might do it. I feel like if I get this done, like you said, I just, it's something that it's hundred percent fear, hundred and fifty percent fear. That, that's why I haven't done Kickstarter yet. Yeah. And I, I can, I have no problem marketing, no problem going to Sue and saying, Hey Sue, check out this book. But the fulfillment part, um, that, and then I guess making sure that PDF is correct and sending it over and doing updates, that scares me. It's, I mean, it's a necessary evil for, it's, it's the price of admission to be in the arena, right? And like, if you want to be in the arena, and not everyone does, it's, it's different for everyone. But I would rather be in the arena than being outside in the parking lot looking in is the way I look at things. And the price to get into the arena is that you have to do the shit you don't want to do. Right. And it's like, I don't like, I'm not great marketer or promoter. Like that doesn't come naturally to me at all. Um, But I do it anyways. Like the, the production stuff, I hate it. I, I, I don't want to learn Adobe yeah. Illustrator, right? I don't want to watch a YouTube video for 45 minutes and, and not know what I'm doing still. Um, but these are in like, or reaching out to um, printers and getting quotes and, and learn like all the fulfillment stuff, like all that stuff that goes into Kickstarter. I don't want to do like, it's not something that I wake up every day and I'm like, Yes, let's go. Let's go, uh, you know, to the post office today. But I know that's the the only way I could create the things that I want to create to show my my children that they could do whatever they want to do is that I have to do that stuff. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier. What type of lesson am I teaching if it's all right, I did all the stuff that I wanted to do. 
and then it got hard, so I stopped. Right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have that conversation with my daughter. Like, well, what? Why did you stop? It's like, oh, well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it anymore. Like, I guess that works, right? But yeah. really, the truth would probably be, it got really hard, and I didn't want to do it. Yeah, and lately, because I'm a parent now, I'm very close to my parents, but I know, know the one thing I don't know about them is what goals, what, what were their dreams before they had me? And I already want to tell my son what my dreams were, but that I accomplished them. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's that's what I want to do. I think I think that's powerful stuff, man. Right? Yeah. Like like not only my my own children, but, you know, doing all of this, I mean, there's also a side benefit for this, right? I don't mean to go dark and it's not supposed to be dark. It's supposed to be, you know, good. God forbid something happened to me. My daughter and son now have my voice in at least 25 episodes, right? So they know who I am as a person, right? And they they could see my writing. They could go to it. And like, in a really weird way, it's... You, you got to write, that's got to be a story now that you have to write. <laughs> that your, may... your podcast and your stories are solving like a long lost uh, family mystery or something like that. That's, family that's murder it. mystery. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's family murder mystery, but using podcasts and um, comic books. That's it. That's a, that's a good one. That, that'd take a while that's... to unravel. <laughs> for sure for sure man for sure well uh man we've been talking for like man time flew by over almost two hours like i could sit i could sit here and uh chat your ear off phil but uh you know, my wife might uh might murder me uh <laughs> I, I told i told my wife nine o'clock it's nine thirty. so uh, there we go there we go so before we get out before we get out of here phil uh, uh where can people find you on uh social media and all that good stuff so if you're a young creator and you want to get into this and you want to try this out, please check out the comic book anthology creators group on Facebook. Uh, I'm also, I run the, I love horror comics and on Twitter, I am the Luminerity. and on Instagram, I think I'm Philly sneeze. Uh, so yeah. I follow you, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's Philly sneeze. I, I, it's Philly breeze or Philly sneeze. I'm not really sure. <laughs> well phil man this was awesome uh thank you so much for being a a, a guest and uh you know I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk a lot before uh before this comes out and every every everywhere in between thank you so much for having me on and it, oh, it was welcome. actually like i said it, this is like a bucket list for me because i've been listening since the beginning so thank you oh you're you're very welcome man 